I had always felt it was a, a, a horror movie. When I first read it in 2013 was when I was getting pages from the, the writer. He was sending me the script uh, uh, as he was writing it. And I was like, this is a horror movie. Um, no matter where it went. And, and I don't mean horror in the conventional sense, but it was around the time before I think um, all these very sort of smart, high uh, psychological horrors have come out since 2013 for sure a lot of like day 24 horror that sort of intense drama with horror elements to it so i knew i was onto something when i started seeing these horror movies kind of come out like that because it just sort of reimagines redefines what people think horror is i mean horror for the longest time was saw sort of torture porn horror um or the halloween scream michael myers uh you know, whodunits. Uh, and, you know, I've always kind of liked the ones that have been sort of prominent lately um, that really kind of you sit with it, not so much pop up scary, but the ones you kind of that you think about a lot after you right. watch it. I think when I read a script, I, I, I pretty much right away, if I'm like, oh, I can visualize this and feel it, then I, I know I really kind of want to do it. You know, it's kind of how I gauge it. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. Hello. Hi. This week, two Shudder originals by Dave. We're going to start with one from last year. The Advent Calendar. Uh, this is a Belgian horror film that debuted at film festivals on December 2nd, 2020. December 2nd is my birthday. Wow. Um, but then it became available to stream in 2021 as a Shudder exclusive. It's directed by... Patrick Redemont, starring Eugenie Durand as Ava, who is paralyzed from the waist down after a car accident and receives uh, a mysterious German advent calendar from her friend Sophie. Uh, and I didn't really know what an advent calendar was, or I didn't think of it like this when I, when I saw this, but it's, it's basically a countdown till Christmas, and you get a candy Every day, a little reward. You didn't know that what that was until now. I kind of did, but this one is a, is a little bit more elaborate than that. Um, it's like you know the whole partridge in a pear tree kind of shit. Um, but then with this one, it also grants like unsolicited wishes and due diligence to like douchebags uh, from its host, Ick or Itch. What did you guys Ick. call it? Like Ick? Each. I don't, each. I don't each. know, yeah. Well, he's a pretty scary each. dude. And uh, he's a mix between like a personal vigilante and like a guardian angel. But then further down the month, as the days go by, the candies go by, um, it becomes more and more like um, there's a price to pay for this. And so she's getting in deeper and deeper and he's granting these wishes and she's eating this candy and people are dying. Um, I like this movie. I saw it a couple times. I think it's a, a good like run-of-the-mill um, horror movie. It's entertaining. It's a good watch from you know beginning to end. It keeps your attention. It's not the best, but part of my point uh, with the Shudder movies is how they level up every single time. And I think that this is a level up from some of the earlier stuff they, done, they had done and 
I also think the next movie we're doing is a level up from that. So I love the evolution of Shudder and how their exclusive content and original content has become so interesting and constantly getting better. I appreciated the Christmas in August. Thank you. Gets a little, you know, break, a little a little taste of Christmas. You know, we got a long way to go, so that was nice. I'm shocked that you didn't know what an advent calendar was. Cause well, I knew what one was, but it was just a... It was like a piece of cardboard. I mean, I just yeah, got yeah, yeah, yeah. See, yeah that's this fair. is okay. Oh, right. This is like a box. This is like a Hellraiser yeah. Yeah. box kind yes. of thing. Yes, this movie and it did remind me of Hellraiser. But I, I growing up, the Advent Calendar was like the most heightening. It, it was the anticipation heightening thing. You had it in a cardboard thing, and you had it in your classroom or whatever. And every day, you eat one. You open one. I got less and less things as it got closer to Christmas. Because my birthday is in December, like I said. Oh, right, so it's like, well, right. Christmas is coming up. Your birthday just happened. So I wouldn't get, gain things throughout that month. I would just deplete. That's sad. I, I feel bad for the December birthdays out there. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I, I know what that's like. Um, not from personal experience. But um, this was a really interesting one. I thought it was good. It won me over progressively through the runtime. At first, I thought... It felt kind of hokey to me, and I thought it looked kind of hokey. I didn't like the early digital images of Ichi or Ich or whatever his name is. But as it got crazier and crazier, I mean, it, it does a lot. I think this movie is pretty ambitious for the the premise. Um, it, it, it throws a lot at you, and, and the more it went on, then the crazier it got, the more I liked it. And then the end, I really, really liked the end. And I would agree the the Shutter original has come a long way, and you know these these aren't movies that are made by Shutter, of course. But Shutter is so aggressive now at picking up movies. That article I was talking about before in Fast Time or in Fast Company. If you're interested in this stuff at all, you should really Google Fast Company Shutter. And um, Craig Engler talks about the way that they uh, how aggressive they are with finding these movies. He said that they are aware of almost every movie in production, sometimes at the script stage. They are looking at scripts that filming hasn't even started yet, so they're scouring the film festivals, and they try to move fast, and they try to jump on these movies, and the thing that they try to offer people um, that is better with their service for some of these films is they kind of can guarantee you that they're going to expose your film. It's not going to be lost on Netflix or buried on Hulu. If you go with Shutter. They're going to have it on their splash page. They're going to push it hard. They know the audience. They can find your audience for this film. It's not just going to be lost in the mix. So um, Josh Rubin has talked about that. We've talked about a couple of his films. So that's something they've gotten really, really good at. It's made a huge difference with the service. Um, It's indispensable at this point. Shudder is one that we all decided early on wasn't really worth it. And now I I probably would be the one that I would keep. So, um, you know, props to that. I love the ending to this. I guess I'm a little bit agnostic. I I enjoyed it, I think, more watching it. And then afterwards, I don't know, it faded a little bit. I loved this movie. Uh, I thought it was honestly like super fantastic. One of my new favorites, I think. Wow. Yeah. I think it just pushed all my buttons. I thought the story was pretty original and like interesting to me. I'd never seen an advent horror, but I thought it was executed super well. Um, just like love the style. I love like the pop of colors and important scenes. It just kind of really did it for me. Um, I thought it was perfectly paced. I really couldn't take my eyes off the screen, both because I had to read the subtitles and because I thought it was a really good uh 
a really good movie. I really liked the characters. I felt like they were super likable, um, very well developed, like very early on. Like as soon as like a character basically had, you know, dialogue for a couple minutes, you kind of had a really good idea of what the character was, uh, you know, what the character was like. As far as the advent calendar itself goes, I thought it was really creepy and I, it seemed to get, you know, more like scary and grotesque as the as the movie went on. Like that little dude, the little ick, ick each that pops up, he like as the days went by, it became like more and more kind of spooky looking. I liked that it started off slow with like things happening in Eva's favor, people that did her wrong or she didn't like or did things to her, uh, kind of got kaputzed, like without her, you know, wishing for it or knowing that it was going to happen. But yeah, it was nice. It started off with me going, you know, be just really saying yes and then slowly saying no as it went, <laughs> which I prefer. But yeah, I'd definitely be adding this one to my spooky uh, Christmas watch, I think, every December now. I love this one not your typical French horror movie that we're used to, certainly if you go back to some of the other ones we've covered on the show. Mm -hmm. So yeah. when I found out that it was French and I watched it, the first time, I did like it, but I think it like, I had higher expectations like, whoa, this is gonna be bonkers. Um, I love the director, the fact that like this is only his second feature, but he has a ton of acting credits, so uh, watching it this time and like doing a little research before, I, I like seeing somebody that has been in front of the camera now go behind the camera and how they took it. Uh, you guys already mentioned the actual advent calendar is one of the greatest like set props in recent horror yeah, history. Yeah, it is great. Yeah, uh, I don't know if that character is necessarily going to turn into like the pinhead uh, or the Cenobite that that clearly the designer mm -hmm. and or the director uh, who also wrote it. If they were hoping for that. Um, but I, I, I liked that character. I thought it was cool. In the beginning, they sort of show the, the demon. I'm going to stop trying to say its name. Or cat. Maybe it's Ack. Maybe it's Ack. Ick. I'm going to say that. Just I say like it like Ick. how I pronounce my A's with a K at the end. Right. Ick. Uh, I like how in the beginning, <laughs> when you start to, you know that there's something nefarious about this advent calendar. And in the beginning, when they show you the demon as she's sort of like coming under the advent calendar spell, like literally at times coming under, you know, spells, they show it in like this dreamlike state, like you can kind of see it. And then I never in a million years thought that I was going to get like a real live action version of this mm -hmm. uh, with prosthetics and all of that. I thought that was really cool and really creepy and very little like trick of camera when they were going to show the demon. It was just like, oh, he's standing behind you. Mm. Oh, he's grabbing you. Like, oh, he's in the back of the car. Um, probably my favorite thing that I will say uh, before we can open it up is uh, Eva's performance is astounding. Uh, the way that she goes back and forth from, ah, uh, this is great, and then, ah, uh, maybe it's not so great, but then, oh, wait, no, this could be great, and pushes, like, you know, she pushes that performance. Who is it? Eugenie Derouant? Nice. She pushes Ooh. that performance, like, all the way to the edge before you know, as does the story, before you know how it's really going to end. Um, but yeah, this is a great one. I thought there were good scares, good deaths, everything that you need in a horror movie. Um, and then the added Christmas twist just sort of like will thrust it onto people's lists, I think. Like, mm -hmm. it's already done for you, Kat. It blew my mind that most of these main characters 
had nothing else on their resume on IMDb. So to me, yeah. that says that he's a good director. Uh, and you know, you said he he was an actor turned director, uh, which makes even more sense. I feel like if this were an American movie, there could be a ton of sequels just because of the premise that you pass this curse off to somebody else. And that could just go on forever and be in a whole bunch of different scenarios. Like, I saw potential in that. I did have the same thing that you had, Kevin, where I was disappointed just because it was French. But I was thinking, <laughs> if this was American, it reminded me of an American horror movie. Maybe that's why I liked it, because I'm so used to the French shit that you guys well, put me yeah, through. Yeah, it, it's a, a French language. It's but Belgian. It, it's a French, yeah, it's a co-production. Oh. It's a... A co-production of France and Belgium, so I don't I don't know which was the more dominant influence, other than they are speaking French. Doesn't matter. We've seen some pretty fucked up Belgian films too. Yeah, there, it, are, there are some of those yeah. out there as well. It it did remind me, Dave. You mentioned American movies. A little bit of it follows. I got from this. Yeah, mm. um, especially with like the sequel potential. Um, Wish upon the box, monkey's paw. Yeah, yeah. Which has been adapted like a million times. Those are all American movies, but like Wish Upon in the Box in particular. Those come from a, from times where I was duped into watching something by a really cool premise. So if you guys don't know the premise of those, it's basically you get a reward and someone random dies somewhere mm. and you have to live with that, but you get the reward. Right, but they're so Americanized and like pg 13 out that when I started to figure out the premise of this, I was like, okay, I'm already a little disappointed because you know we didn't get like the opening of Martyrs. Uh, oh shit! Now they're going down like this familiar trope of movies that have already been done, where like you have you have to make moral decisions that could benefit you, uh, but it could harm somebody else. Uh, but I like the like they kind of flip the script. Like she doesn't know. It's not like she opens up the advent calendar on day one, and it's like eat this and this will happen. She sometimes just opens it up and it's just a uh, candy in the shape of a heart. Or a candy in the shape of like a religious figure. Sometimes there isn't a candy. Sometimes it's a truck. Uh, mm. So I liked how they started taking decisions away from her. And she had to like wake up and deal with the consequences. And that's why I liked her performance so much. Because she was literally like, you know how fucked up this is getting. But like the carrot. I, I think the dangling the carrot in front of her the entire movie made this suspenseful. Um and like I said, the deaths, I mean, the dog scene alone, I was like, no. It's so like, stupid, but I love it. Pet gets it. Pet gets it. But, you know, in a different way than I thought. Oh, I thought you meant the dog scene where he's batting at the Matchbox car. That oh, that was, was great, too. So good. That's the thing. Like, all of them were just so, they were just so good. I don't know. Like, it's hard for me to, I think, articulate how I... How every single box that opened was just like, I was like, yes. Like, even for the the bad ones that you're like, uh-oh, well, guess that guy's gone now. But he was cool, I guess, for a little while. But even in that, I don't know. It was, it was just perfect for me. I really liked how she sort of becomes one with the box and with the bad guy. At first, she's just following instructions. And they're very specific instructions. And it's tells her that she is going to die if she doesn't follow these instructions to the letter. But as the movie goes on, I liked that there are points where 
she becomes more and more, um, she has this relationship where she knows when to break the rules. And the movie doesn't have to try to explain it to you because this relationship has become symbiotic and Mm -hmm. she just knows for example when someone else is supposed to eat the candy and not her that happens a few times i didn't think it was inconsistent it was just that that was the nature of that she's being taken over more and more and so now she knows maybe this one isn't for me it's for this lady in the hospital or whatever yeah oh my yeah that part yeah and then also just like having like a mind of its own in that like well, now the dog is going to have a part of this yeah, calendar yeah. a couple times. Um, but I, I don't know. I thought it was an interesting take, too, to to make her, um, you know, in a more vulnerable state than just like a an able-bodied person kind of walking around opening up advent calendar boxes and things like that. So that that was an interesting thing for me. I think it made it a little bit easier for her to be, you know, more vulnerable Um than a different person would have been. It was ever changing. That's the thing I liked about it. It's like all the deaths and all the ways that the the tormentor would get the the person would all be different. Like the car one was basically like a voodoo doll type mm-hmm. scenario with a matchbox car that a dog was playing with. And then there's this douchebag in his car and it's like the windshield smashing in and all mm-hmm. this stuff and, and it's spinning around. Um, but this also reminded me a little bit of the Babadook yeah, yeah. Because yeah, of the folklore, it, you know, the old like German relic. This is as old as folklore. This is the dawn of uh, of folk horror. This goes back to huh? talking about Christmas Advent, G- Christmas in Germany. Uh, that's, old I guess it is pretty. So it's a bit more severe than the Christmas <laughs> that we know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not the cardboard box that you get one chocolate in. Yeah, um, this probably was a reward at certain times in Germany. No. I thought, I did think it was a little bit long for, like you said, it was well paced. You found it well paced. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a little tedious, Mm -hmm. but that's my problem because uh, her friend Sophie, so Eva Mm -hmm. is in a wheelchair, uh, paraplegic. We don't know until later in the movie how she ended up there. We know that she was a very accomplished dancer and that was her passion. And to be clear, both movies we're talking about this week, there's no humor. Like, there is no levity uh, in either of these I, films I that I found. There's some humor. The thing about the, the bad things that are happening to people and, and the choices that Eva has to make, what, what happens is that it becomes clear to her that at the end of this advent, she's going to walk again. It's not that she's just doing it. it, it at first, she's just kind of happy and, or pleased that some people that have done her wrong are getting their just desserts, and she doesn't really know how it happened. But at some point during the movie, she realizes why it's happening, and it becomes clear that at the end of this, if she continues, she's going to walk again. So not only is she going to die if she doesn't do it, but she's going to walk again if she completes it. So it's not like she has a you know an easy choice to make. She's going to die. But that's kind of the, the carrot that's dangling in front of her is that she will dance again. Mm-hmm. But the thought that I had that made it a little bit long is... Sophie, her friend that, that finds her, steals this advent calendar from Germany. Oh, I never, forgot it was stolen. Oh, right? yeah. That's so, how you knew it so was going to be rough. So I'm like, all right, we're going to go back. We're going to find some shit out. Yeah. And then at some point, she finds a compartment in the back of the advent calendar that leads her to the previous person that had the advent mm-hmm. calendar. And she goes on a little mission there. So I was like, all right, let's get into that. So And then they never tell you who the demon is. So I'm watching this movie waiting for like 
not exposition dumps, but like I'm waiting for your microfiche scene, Trent. I'm waiting for yeah. like, for yeah. Eva to get back to Germany and find this shop owner and be like, where did this come from? I'm waiting for the scene where she finds the previous victim of the advent calendar is way too short for how long this movie is. I didn't get is. that quite. Yeah, okay, you're explaining it better, I think, than the movie did. I All of a sudden, she's just pulling a, a painting out of the box, and now she's... And it has the guy's address on it. I, I was and like, that's what, what inspires her to leave her message inside the box at the end of the movie. The only rule I didn't understand, I don't know, this is going to spoil it. Do we care? Um, as long as you don't say what happens in the last scene, I don't think that's spoiling oh, Okay, it. that's fine. I, I didn't understand, you know, she can walk, she wants to get some, nice. and... It says, like, I can't remember all three rules, but it's like, you know, once you start, you have to eat them all or you die. Right. And then there's like a second rule or whatever. And then the third rule is uh, if you dump it, I'll kill you. Meaning yes. if you try to throw this thing away and that does happen. Yes. But, but the, yes. And I'm confused because the the guy that she has, she hooks up with is like, it's like the rule is like you have to fall until the last door is open. You have to follow the rules. Mm -hmm. And he's like, the last door's open. You don't have to eat that. Right. Like, you can walk forever, but also, there are no more rules. So I can throw this off a roof. Right. I'm confused about... So So it didn't work? He was wrong? Is that what I'm to assume? And also, I, does that guy get it? Okay. I, go ahead, Kat. Well, I think this is spoiler territory, but I think I can explain Just don't it. say what happens in the last scene. Okay, heard. Um, so she instead makes the choice because so if she decides to um not to just go back to her old life then all of those people that have died come back to life right so if she chose to just keep her you know her being able to walk and just throw that thing off the roof or whatever everything would have stayed the way that it was in that moment instead of going back. Because the other guy, the painter guy, he had his family back. And so obviously he had to go through all these things to... Make his decision. To I, make I that decision. That. What okay. I don't get is the the guy from the hotel at the end that she mm -hmm. hooks up with comes running out with the advent calendar and says, the rules said um, you must follow the rules until the last door is open. Right. So he's trying to make the point that there are no more rules. Therefore, right. if if you dump it, I'll kill you. No longer applies. Right. Okay. So what's the what? What are you not understanding? I'm just curious as to what happened. Was he right or was he wrong? Well, I I'm think clear on I think everything I in the that. movie, other than that. That's the only we don't know because she, part of the because end. she made the other choice. Well, she didn't. Okay. Well, so, so now we're really getting into it, but okay. that's I, am I not he, understanding? That's where there's potential no, for I, sequels I, and stuff is the answers to those yeah, questions. Yeah, I mean, when he's okay, once the last door is open yeah. on the thing, then there's no more rules. So it doesn't say you have to, but it also said you have to eat all the. Is that what your problem is? I, I don't. Is that what it is? I'm not sure what you're not understanding. It I don't. Says, I don't think the rule says you have like once you start like you have to. I, I, it says I, you have to eat them all. I think. I don't think it, it says, says you, have to, you have to eat them all. But once that last door is open, once the that rules last door don't is apply open, anymore. No so you don't so have once, to so eat you it. Don't have to eat it. Yeah. Imagine how the confused the people that are listening to us are. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I mean, I don't, it's very no, confusing. I, I mean, I think. I think that's. I, I'm it just, could be a loophole, though. Yeah, like it, it's a loophole in the hole. in the language. Once the last door is open, then there's no more rules, right? That's so you can do whatever you want with the box, mm -hmm. right? So you don't Th have to yeah, eat that's, that. Th yeah, that's 
That's and my I, assumption. And I think that was the same thing where at some at some point somebody does try to destroy the box and I thought maybe she was going to die or something, but it wasn't her. It's whoever's it, trying it, it, to dump it. She can't destroy the box, but somebody else tries to, then that's just too bad for them. She Beep goes boop. on with the, with the thing. Uh, you know, Kevin, you were talking about the lack of comedy. And to me, this movie was, there was the comedic parts were all the workplace like the workplace <sighs> horror scenes. I thought that was just mean. I thought that was dark and depressing too. Well, but it reminded I mean, me of like uh, Edgar Wright movies and like uh, the lady yeah. who like cracks her toes and like just disses her the whole time. And then also the way she dies. Ooh, that was probably my favorite like, voodoo I, doll that's situation. That's comedy. Yeah. I thought, I thought, there was, I thought <laughs> it was, was funny comedy. when she's in the park with, with her friend, Eva's in the park with her friend and her friend's trying to encourage her to, to approach uh, men and she's like what am i going to say are you a nurse oh good you can wash my vagina or something like private that. parts yeah you can wash my private parts and then later on she meets a guy he's like oh i'm a nurse i can wash your private parts <laughs> but that was actually the spirit making him say that but he yeah. was a nurse i, I thought i was... feel like that happens to me all the time and i just don't know it <laughs> like i say some shit wild like that and then i'm like why did i say that <laughs> yeah he doesn't know why he said yeah <laughs> i'm sorry i don't know why i said that I yeah. thought there was some. I thought there was humor. Yeah, in and then there's that moment when she's sitting in the park, and the runner like stops next to her and's like stretching out in front of her, and just looks at her and is like, "Oh," and then like <laughs> slowly walks away. I'm like, "Ooh, come on." The father relationship. She's estranged from her father, and he's. I guess he has dementia. He doesn't really know what's going on. But there's an evil stepmom involved. Yeah, yes, evil stepmom. Yeah, I liked that, and I I thought it was a little bit. It got pretty brutal when she's making these decisions with her father and her father's talking to her and you don't know if it's really the spirit of the box. It, it gets, as I said, I, it gets piles and piles and it gets crazier and crazier. I did like that. Well, you, you know who the, the father reminded me of at times? Silent Night, Deadly Night. Do you remember the the grandfather in the chair? Oh, yeah. Who just yeah. suddenly <laughs> comes to life and like scares the kid and right, then goes they, back they, to being they, catatonic. <laughs> that's right. They, they like he can't talk and then as soon as they leave the room, say that mom's going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that vibe. Well, um, there were some small things that I thought were a little inattentive about this. I always notice when somebody in a movie, a character has a dog only for the scenes when it's convenient for the dog to do something. Yeah, like, how's all the, dog the other scenes, out? you never see this dog. She's in the park. She's out in the park. Why would her dog, she would be with her dog. I think you have to go the extra mile as a filmmaker. It shouldn't be the extra mile. She's out in the park. She would have her dog. She's trying to fuck. No, I no, think that she... was the point of the gate. I think <laughs> no. that was the point of the gate. I don't yeah, think, the, you I don't think a... the dog necessarily went for walks. I think she just opened the door. She had that big gate and that big I yard. Know, but... And I think the dog. No, just... when you when you go to the park, you bring your dog. You don't just go to the park in a and wheelchair? sit there without the dog. Yes, with a wheelchair. Maybe he gets caught in the spokes. We don't know what's going on. She was very able with that thing. It was a nice one. It's one of these nice, like, sporty wheelchairs. She would have the dog with her, in my opinion. And then other, just other scenes where he just seemed to disappear. The other thing I thought um, was lazy was when she exchanges numbers with a guy, and they're both sitting in the car, and they, they write their numbers down on pieces of paper and hand them to each other. Did you think that was weird? Not really. With their iPhones? They both have phones. Yeah, I guess. That's not how anyone does it, is it? You Maybe just they're go, trying to keep the... It was for a while. Yeah, they're trying it's to not keep now. the past alive. You know? I guess if this is 
early cell phone, I guess. Maybe Belgian hasn't gotten the memo. <laughs> it's still tradition in, in Europe. You still write it down. You don't yeah. just say, what's your number, and then type Maybe it in your phone. romantic. Like, like here, yeah. Yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah. You could draw a little heart. Uh, it just seems off mm. to me. Okay, well, that was your big... That I'm was sorry, what I you didn't, didn't realize like that was going to be so controversial. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the reviews you were talking about too, Trent, kept like alluding to controversy controversy or the fact that she's not actually paraplegic i wonder if that i they were like they were like there are no maybe i couldn't find them but you're right like there isn't even a wiki page for this movie i know it's only imdb shocking and there are very few reviews but some of them cited that and i was like okay so i want to dig into this like i'd like to know a little bit more about this you know i don't understand the actress that plays eva isn't she also plays a standing role yeah. True. Well, she's not a paraplegic in real life. I was wondering, I didn't see that, and I didn't read a lot of reviews. I didn't see that, but I was wondering, I wonder if anyone is mad that she's able-bodied in real life. Yeah, but the role calls for her to eventually walk and dance. Yeah. True. So I the... mean, you could have you could have shot that another way, but... They also could have gotten an actual demon. In diamond mine, In a shower of stone and steel beams They'll push and they'll pull Against the rock wall Find you buried among the debris The second Shudder original film I chose is What Josiah Saw, which is a 2022 film that just dropped last week starring Robert Patrick, Nick Stahl, Kelly Garner, Scott Hayes, um, they all play uh, the estranged, dysfunctional Graham family, reunited when an oil company offers to buy their land. Uh, Widower Josiah and his mentally disabled son, Tommy, live at the farm, and after receiving a prophetic vision, Josiah has ulterior motives uh, for this southern gothic like family reunion over this oil thing. I feel like the, the bones of this movie are like the parallel stories of how these characters are all destitute and tortured and kind of like dissolving on their own and how and how desperate they are the whole time. Um, it's like uh, the sad trauma that plays out like a ghost story kind of. reminds me a little bit of the 1944 that we watched, Stephen King's uh, Gothic. Um, 1922. 1922, you're right, because that was the same year as Nosferatu. Yes. 1922. Uh, it also had kind of a frailty vibe to me, yep. the relationship between uh, Robert Patrick and uh, Tommy. And there was a lot of misdirection. Uh, we had a lot of questions. Like, we started this whole thing before, like, during the break, as just chaos. <laughs> So like the last <laughs> the last movie was a little confusing too. I feel like this might even be more chaos. I guess so. Um, but um, what Josiah saw is one of my favorite Shutter originals that I've seen, and uh, the the level up that I was talking about. This is that it has all great actors. I thought Nick Stahl was particularly great in this. I loved all the Romani uh, scene um, and. <laughs> Why'd you look at me like that cat? I'm sorry, <laughs> gypsies. <laughs> We've been over this before. It's good because at the time we didn't know on that episode, we actually didn't know what to say. Now we do. Right, Romani's. Yes. Um, but that, that scene was great. I love the, the moment when it was like, 
he's here to steal our gold. And then it was just like chaos, slow motion. Like I, I loved it. So uh, let the chaos ensue within our podcast <laughs> about what indeed Josiah saw. This is one of the best horror movies this year. It's very Boom. originally paced and set up almost in a Tarantino way. Absolutely. Like, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. If he was going to do yeah. like a folk horror, like weird old school gothic southern movie, I feel like he'd set it up this way. Um, it's in three sections. So the first section is uh, Robert Patrick p- playing the patriarch and then his young son, Tommy, like Dave mentioned, who seems a tad slow. Second section, Nick Stahl, older brother, introduced as this absolute down-on-his-luck scumbag who is in gambling debt, gets mixed up with the Romani. And then third section, Mary May I brings in the sister from the family and her situation and also gives us the final, which I would call the fourth act, of the family finally coming together. It is, it's long. It's, it's two hours straight up. Straight up. I'll say it. I didn't mind it. Wouldn't have minded more. Sorry, Cat. Cat looks so mad, guys. I'm not mad. So I'm just mad. looking. But off. the movie is, it, it can be hard to follow. I mean, we literally, before we just started record, we were straight up yelling at each other for five minutes. <laughs> that, to me, is the sign of a good movie. Hmm. You might not have liked it, Cat, but it's sparking conversation. Um, in a horror sense, there's very little traditional horror uh, until very, very late. Like, literally the last, like, Two minutes of a movie. Um, so it's mostly character development, it's dialogue. Again, this is another director that I can't find much else that they've done. It's another new, it's another um, new filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. A, a different writer. It was written by Robert Allen Dots. The cast is great. Robert Patrick and Nick Stahl. The only fun fact I could find about this movie was that they're both in the Terminator franchise. That's about it. That's li- like both movies this week you're not going to find a whole lot on. I also thought this reminded me of one of my favorite movies of last year, The Dark and the Wicked. Yes. Mm-hmm. A lot. Definitely. Uh, there's another movie that it reminded me of. Uh, I'm going to save that for spoiler round because it might give okay. something away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot of spoilers here. <laughs> um, it literally keeps you on your toes the entire time. It covers everything, every taboo. Not necessarily horror trope, but it it leads you to wonder exactly which taboos exist and which don't. How many more could they possibly pile on? What am I going to see in like the next scene? And the the whole Tarantino type angle that I talked about, you have no idea that like Part two is going to take you completely out of this enthralling first act that you just saw and not ever bring you back for what is one of the longest sequences I've I've seen in a movie this year. So unlike the advent calendar where I feel like they could have moved it along a little more and maybe some of the atmosphere and dialogue, uh, a little bit of the character development, it could have, you know, it could have gone to more of the lore and give us a little more like juice. Uh, this one I was perfectly happy to sit back. Whenever I hear Southern Gothic, I'm down. I'm excited. I'm ready to see some dreary and potentially fucked up shit. Absolutely. But to me, this film was simultaneously uh, stressful, but also boring. Obviously, I love myself uh, a Robert Patrick being a shitty uh, dad, uh, because that's his M.O., in film, maybe not in real life. I'm not really sure. I do not know the man. Um, but even his evil glare and big old ears could not save this film for me. Stylistically, I think that it did what it was going for. A 
literally dark and dreary, you know, drawn out tale. But in the end, I just didn't really think um, that I cared about the story that they were trying to tell or the big reveal. Apparently, there were multiple reveals at the end of this film that I was not privy to, that I had a different take on. I was just kind of like, eh. I didn't really care about the characters very much. Uh, none were very likable, even uh, with their you know, trauma that I thought was happening. Uh, was trying to make you sympathize or empathize with these people. It was like three sad stories that I didn't really care about that came together in the end with something kind of spooky. I don't know. I'm so confused. But mostly... I just thought it was blah. I didn't really think there was a lot of character development. I didn't really think there were a lot of character arcs going on. I think Cat's gone dumb. (laughs) (laughs) You might be right, Dave. You might be right. Too much lead paint, I suppose. (laughs) I like this this character, to be honest. More than the movie that we watched. This is my second favorite horror movie of the year. Uh, It might be my third favorite movie, straight up. I've seen quite a bit this year. You guys, you guys. Oh, 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 I thought you meant, oh, oh, I didn't get the of all time. Okay. No, this year. You guys haven't seen Red Rocket. It's a great one. Uh, Check out Red Rocket. Not a horror movie, but that might be number two. If I have to go X, Red Rocket, maybe this, but definitely it's X and what Josiah saw. Man, I love this movie. Thank you, Dave. I had seen the trailer and I, you know, I saw Robert Patrick in a Shutter original. Wow, that's cool, and it looked cool, and so I, I avoided knowing much about it. So I didn't know what to expect. I was excited to see it, and I didn't really expect what happens in the first act. Like, okay, and then by the second act, you get into the second act, and that's when I got like, oh, okay, this is two hours. We're gonna get like you said, Kevin, like a, a Tarantino style. We're gonna get a, some stories and different things going on and then all that's going to come together and it's like dark noir southern gothic i was so excited the more i watched i was like oh yeah i i would have been happier like if it was two and a half hours i would have been even happier once i realized what i was in for oh man this is so good all the performances in this are amazing everyone in this movie um not only uh kevin was um was Stahl and and Patrick, not only were they in uh, T2, but, you know what I'm going to say? Bully. Also, Stahl and Gardner were in Bully. So there's a little... uh, Stahl plays Eli, Gardner plays uh, Mary. Yeah. Twist upon twist. This movie is, you know, normally I appreciate economy in a movie and I want you to give me the the goods and move it along and, and don't do a lot of meandering and shaggy dog stuff. But I loved how this movie took its time and the, the whole second act with Eli. Like now we're in a whole gangster heist movie. He's got a guy, he owes this guy money and now the sheriff is involved and now these goons are taking him to go steal gold from these Romani carnival people. Like this whole thing, like, what is going on? He's And, and Jake Weber playing this random like the gangster, the head of the, the, I guess, the gambling ring. 
That that oh, was right, yeah. that was probably my favorite part was Act Two, just so good. And then it throws you to Act Three. I'm like, what is going on? You're you're dealing with Mary now, and that her attempt starts. Her attempts to adopt a child, and you don't understand what is wrong with her. She's making scenes at the dinner party. She's seeing this therapist. Like, who is? Because they don't mention in in the first act at least they mention Eli, so you know Eli is the other brother, but they don't really talk about Mary that I recall. So I'm. It's going, what is going on? And then it all comes he, together. Uh, Thomas prays for them just, oh, just does, before our right. leprechaun story. He does say pray for Mary too, but by the time the third act comes, I, I had forgotten that. Um, well, Mary sent him $10 for his birthday. Yeah, and I didn't, know, I didn't know who he was referring to. Then there's the scene where he's looking at the kid. Tommy's looking at the kid in the hardware store or whatever. I didn't know what that was about. I thought it was like a molestation thing or something, or he was... Yeah, I thought that a lot of times. There are so many, like you said, Dave, so many misdirections, and then the end is a pile-up of twists. There is a huge twist. There is a fake-out twist. Then there is the final twist. They got me on all of them. I didn't see the first twist coming at all until it was revealed. The second twist, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, no, that's not real. And then the last twist, I was like, Wow, I can't wait to watch this movie again, knowing what I know. So definitely recommend this movie. Thank you, Dave. Uh, You're welcome. I also have to uh, say Buster from Arrested Development, Tony Hale. (laughs) Yes. In a very uh, dramatic performance. Yeah. Yeah, I was... Waiting Wait, for like a that? fake hand or something. Mary's to pop up. husband. Oh my God! That yeah. was oh, Buster. Mary's, Buster. Mary's husband with a hook. Yeah, a hook for for hand. I'm a monster. <laughs> I think I agree with you. Well, first and foremost, can we can we talk about the leprechaun? I don't see why not. The not leprechaun in the room. So in, in in part one, which is just Robert Patrick and Thomas, the youngest son, they sit down for dinner. Thomas does his prayer. And, you know, praise for Mama and Eli and Mary. And then his, his dad, Robert Patrick, Josiah, tells this unbelievable story about what he saw and last night. And it's this story about a leprechaun. I, I, I'll, I'll hand it off to you guys because you're going to handle this better. It's a really long dialogue, and you're, but you're wrapped. You're like, the movie is called What Josiah Saw. So maybe this is what he saw. Like maybe this movie is about a leprechaun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would have preferred that probably. Now it's just one of many great fake outs, like you said, because he tells the story, and it's just like a humorous moment of levity. He's making fun of his son Tommy for believing in God. um, Is is all it is? You're like, okay, that wasn't what he saw. So what did he see? And then you think it's a ghost story. There's allusions to the the mother, and this is uh, actually also Miriam Week. There's a, a Miriam in each movie, different oh, spellings. Wow. It's also Jerk Off Week. Yeah. It is also... A jerk Off in each movie. Well, yeah. And this, this movie features a father-son masturbation scene, which is unbelievably awkward. Extra I've, special. I've never seen anything like that. Robert Patrick and um, Scott Hayes in a father-son masturbation it's incredible. Beautiful. Incredible? <laughs> yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's just... It's, Is that what you just said? Yeah, I'm going to get cats back on I mean, this one. It's incredible, just, beautiful, it's an ama- the I didn't way... say it's beautiful. It's an incredible scene. <laughs> Dave said beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, it gets even sexier than that oh, by the end oh of this my thing. God. At that moment is when, if I had not been watching this for the podcast, I would be like, well, I'm going to head out. Wow. But unfortunately... I didn't, I didn't really, um, I wasn't that familiar with Nick Stahl. He's been in tons of stuff, Thin Red Line. He was in Bully, like we talked about, as was uh, Kelly Garner. Um, 
Sin City, and he was in Hunter Hunter. I still haven't seen that. That's great. Oh, dude. Yeah, I want I want to check that out. Um, while we're talking about things that people were in, Kelly Gardner, she was in um, the music video for Green Day's Jesus of Suburbia. So oh wow! Let's all think back to 2004. Wow. Bit of a misstep there, but she was uh, <laughs> she was also in Godzilla: King of the Monsters. Well, Scott Hayes yeah. was in Antlers uh, from oh, uh, right. last year. I liked Antlers quite a bit. Part two, like Trent said, you really get into Eli, the older the the older brother, and I I think. Eli, I don't know if they ever say it definitively, but I think that he is the oldest. Yeah, uh, yeah. They're, no, they're twins. Eli and Mary are twins. Oh, yes. I never caught that. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. So that's all about him, and he's yeah. fucked up. He's gambling. He's a drug Just, addict. He's uh, he's prostituting himself for drugs. He's into gambling. He's, oh, man, that He was has gross. every problem that you could have. But my favorite part of that, not really, but hilarious is... He goes through some shit with the Romani, and he gets back to Jake Weber's character, who was like the dude he owes all the money to, and sends yeah. him on this mission. And he gives him this T-shirt. This, uh, he's, yeah. like, oh. <laughs> he's like, "We keep these for uh, the wet T-shirt contest." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, for a while in, in that part, he's wearing a shirt that just says "Best Titties." Listen, <laughs> with a with a little girl, nine-year-old. Girl. I'd be lying if I wasn't hoping that you would somehow find that shirt and oh, purchase it for all of us. For all of us. Because then, you know? I'd wear that shirt. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, uh, That's another thing that's that they throw at you. There's a child abduction angle in this movie that's right. that keeps you guessing throughout the second part, too. And it's like, I mean, it's wild. Like, what How did, do they throw all this stuff yeah, in Yeah, and there? You, you said none of, the, none of the characters are likable. Nick, I mean, Eli... Played by Nick Stahl, he goes back to get the child. Very Bruce Willis in in Pulp Fiction. He could have been yeah. out of there with a the gold. Right. He goes back to get the abducted child. He has uh, he snorts coke off a dead man's body yes, so that he can you. overcome that the poison, part. the poison that the Romani, um, the medium, has given him. This is all just so wild. It's it's kind of hard to get a handle on this. But the the Romanis have poisoned him. He he's seen a medium and and the and uh, this guy he gives him the uncut uh, heroin. His murderer, his such a great like, like that that whole arc of like, she you know the prostitute gives him the heroin. No, he was the prostitute, right? She was oh, the I'm prostitute. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you. That was just. Well, I wanted to know what was going on with uh, the curse or whatever. It's what I assumed with the gold, because as soon as Jake Weber gets the gold, yeah. he start. Oh, he Nick touches Stahl it. starts to walk away, and he just drops dead. And that's never explained, but I like yes. that, the, that supernatural element yes. of it with the so fortune teller and all there's that. There's two major heart attacks in this one chapter. The first is when Eli, is, he's about to be killed by the Romani thugs, and he, uh, he gives them this uncut heroin that he has, like as a, kind of being as a gesture of like, just do, do me fast. And knowing that this will drop the guy, the guy has a heart attack, and that is what gets him out of there. Then when he goes back to the guy that owes him money, he gives that guy the gold because he can't do anything with all this gold. He's a he's a low rent criminal, and and he's in all kinds of trouble. So he gives this guy the gold, and that guy has a heart attack. I don't know why. Do you know why? Curse. I, I mean, there's nothing to look up on this. I think Dave's right. So, I I think that this was their gold. Another right. interesting part is the they gold. T- they talk about how the yeah. gold is made from the teeth of the well. The Nazis pulled out people with right. gold teeth and right. melted that down into gold. Also, speaking of that, was that like real footage of like 
teeth being extracted and like uh, things like that? I don't that? know. No idea. I don't think so. I would highly. I'm not a it. dentist. I think that the gold bars, where they came from, and the reason that the Romanis have kept them for all this long, because if they're worth that much money, they've kept them for that long. I think they are cursed. So I think yeah. you're right. I think, yeah. and, and like when Nick Stahl and the, the girl that he saved are about to leave with like Jake Weber dead on the desk, she reaches for the gold and he pulls her hand away and says, don't touch that. And at first I was like, you know, like your true crime instincts kick in and you're like, ooh, like don't leave your fingerprint. But I mean, they've been in there touching everything. So yeah. like when oh. I thought about it I further, that. it was further, I was like, oh, he doesn't, he thinks that because he opened that box and took the gold bar out that he just died. Yeah. And I thought that was, again, very Pulp Fiction when, when the guy opens the box. That's a big scene in that movie where you just see the gold light shine up through and you don't know what it is. And then he takes out the gold bar and has a heart attack. The score of this movie oh, is love unbelievably wow. Hitchcockian. And not just the score, there, there's all the, the music, the songs that are used in this so artfully. In the background, there are all these like old-timey country songs and stuff, southern songs. And then that's kind of cut in and out with these sound effects, the, the actual score. It's really good. One thing about this movie, though, is it seems like it could be a long time ago. You get it's this weird perception. Day. It is present day because uh, she's listening to dubstep music while she's working out. While yeah, she's working out. She's in like hardcore she's electronic. Yeah, All right, but why dubstep. is why is the parole officer in El Camino from 1975? It's kind of it follows exactly. Yeah, could be. could be. All the cars are old, so I thought that I thought it was supposed to be. I in did the too, early except no, that one old, scene extracted up. me from that. I forgot about when that. she goes to meet Eli at the at the motel so that they can go back and have the big family reunion. Uh, she rolls up in like a modern like Banyan right, SUV. Right, right. He's just driving probably the same old truck that he took from the farm when he left when he was a kid. Right, right. But are there yeah. cell phones? Because cell phones predate dubstep. They don't by show many. and they don't show any cell phones. But the dubstep makes it present day. That's end of story. Or right. at least it's playing. She's or it's just an anachronism. It's not just in the sound. No, she's listening to it while she works out. Unless they're playing with like each section, sort of almost being like stuck. In their own time, and she's the one that's trying to get the farthest ahead. Yes. Mm. Wow, that might have been intentional. Mm. Huh. Uh, this movie has levels, man. So many <laughs> levels. I think we're going to have to spoil it, and I I want to recommend that you watch this movie and turn off the podcast. We're, we're done here. We have some misunderstandings or some different takes on what the hell happened at the end of this movie with a twist pile up and the fake twists and all that. Mm. We're going to have to get into it. <laughs> fake news. Go watch the movie. And then come back and argue with you us. You have to see what Josiah saw, and then we can talk more after that. Mm. Danger. The emergency destruct system is now activated. The ship will detonate in T-minus 10 minutes. The option to override automatic detonation expires in T-minus five minutes. I mean, I obviously should not begin. You should begin. <laughs> because I was fucking... I, I misunderstood everything. I Apparently, I misunderstood everything. I well, I was confused whether, like, what was... I, I missed a line about the 23 years or whatever because I was confused about... What was the timeline? Because I had said before it, that it was very dark, and especially during that whole period in the storytelling, it's very dark, and it's hard to tell what's a flashback and what's current day. So mm -hmm. 
um, I just thought all these secrets surfaced and people killed people. But it, it's confusing because throughout there is gore throughout the movie. Yeah. But it's in these like dream sequences mm-hmm. or like these imaginings. Like they're never. Uh, so you kind of don't know what's real. You're kind of dancing around. Uh, I think the the main thrust here. Robert Patrick's character, Josiah, the titular character. You said that he's been dead he's the whole been, time. He's sixth been dead the whole this, time. The whole yeah, shit. Is, yeah, yep. They sixth sensed us in this. He, he exists only in the imagination of Tommy, the son who he lives with, and he's lost his mind. And and that's, he, he wasn't there the whole time. So there's that whole scene like at the me. end when they're, when they're seated like at the table. <gasps> What's that? Like me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like watching this movie. But it's so well done. (laughs) One one of the reasons, it got me right until that point though because they're all at the table and Nick Stahl is doing this incredibly skillful thing where he kind of casually looks in the direction of Josiah and even when Josiah stands up or at least in Tommy's mind he stands up, Nick Stahl says something and he kind of looks up to the side. It it almost looks like he's looking at Josiah but then, no, they killed Josiah, and then they show the scene where the three kids killed the father. He was abusive. That's one thing we didn't talk about. He, he was abusive to all the kids, mm-hmm. and they all got together, and they killed him after their mother killed herself. They killed the dad. So that's the first thing. That's the first twist. Tommy has been seeing Josiah the entire time. He's not there. He's Bruce Willis. And Tommy is like... He, he will not believe. So Eli starts gaslighting Tommy that dad used to molest Mary. Right. Earlier in the film, when Mary is trying to adopt a child, they're asking her why she had her tubes tied at 13 years old. Exactly. Another right. clue. Like, right. why would you do that? Right. So you start to think, okay, so Robert Patrick's horrible. He has been doing this. In the meantime, Robert Patrick's ghost or hallucination is telling Eli they used to sleep together. Like, right. that's what I saw, brother and sister, which apparently are twins. And so the whole, you're just like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. So all of a sudden you realize that the twins were having sex together. Yes. Eli got Mary pregnant. They killed their baby. Yes. And then mom killed herself. And then they killed and then the th- Josiah. I think just the two kids. Now I they show all, no, all three of them standing All three of them running by, of, running by yeah. Betsy, the tractor. All three of them standing there. Maybe Tommy didn't physically do it, but... They were all around him as a group. And they yeah, killed. they kill their father. Right. Go yeah. their separate ways. Mary's crumbling. She's trying that, to adopt. That's, that's it. Tommy comes back. Yes. So, But Kat, then the biggest well, twist is the what, what Tommy was really doing is he's blaming all of this on the two of them. Right. Gets them back to the house. And I don't even think he realized it was to kill them. And then you get the goods. Tommy destroys his brother and sister. Here's a question. Why are we just assuming that it was the two twins banging instead of the father molesting his daughter? Okay, so when when they get to the house... It shows them going in... Hold on, Kevin. It shows Eli and Mary going into the shed more than once. Also, Eli had sex with Tommy. That's not... Eli had Since sex. When? When did this that is all come in the up? Movie. I missed what that are you too. talking Eli, about? Eli molested Tommy in the shed, and Eli took Mary into the shed and had sex with her. That's where they began their sexual relationship, which was a response to the abuse and the trauma and the. And so all they the were stuff already being abused by their father. Yes. Let's just say he was abused. an abusive person. Yes. So yes, he was yes. a piece of shit for sure. But yes. So 
then the institutional Eli molested both his siblings, trauma. which can happen in that situation. So okay. it shows you them going into the shed, and it also shows when they get back together that they resume the yeah, sexual did you relationship. Miss, like, she says to him at one point, it took me 20 minutes to go into that hotel room. Right. I heard. No, I well, didn't. No, she says, it took me 20 minutes. I sat in the car for 20 minutes. So you think she's talking about going into the house. She meant the hotel room. She meant the hotel. And then later it shows but, them shows them having sex in the motel room. Eli what? and Mary. But when? That's the last scene of the movie. What are you talking it about? Shows Wait a minute. Having sex. Let's forward it for a cat. Wait a minute, my sister has a vagina? It, Stop. The last scene is them fucking. That's ridiculous. What did you big... think was happening? I must have looked away. That's the big <laughs> I payoff. must have been done. When you re- like you're still I must wondering, have been done with this film. You're still film? wondering, was he molesting? I guess you could still question if Josiah was molesting Mary. But I think if you go back to the scene, the, the way it's being told, I, I think it's Eli narrating it to Tommy. It is. To be like, that wasn't that, you know, it wasn't us. That was that, dad was he doing made that, that up. to that Mary. Was, like, yes. they were gaslighting Tommy hard. Yes. And then they show you the scene where, like Trent said, she gets out of her car and runs her fingers over Eli's truck. And then one of the last scenes in the movie is them, them fucking going at it just before they go home. She's like, I left Tommy in the car for 20 minutes before I went in. No, she says, I sat in the car for 20 minutes before I went in. And she's talking about the I hotel. thought she was talking about her mother's death and that so it was scarring Tommy. No, no. She's saying, I waited in the car for 20 minutes to get up the courage to go into the hotel and fuck you again. I thought it was to go in, to, into the house. I know. That's what it that's makes how, it look like. That's how they make it look. And then they show you that scene again. They show it later. And she's sitting in... Because when they first show her sitting in the car... You don't know where she is. It's showing you just through the windshield. Yes. But then when she says the line, you assume it's that scene. But then later, they show her sitting in the car with the same at shot. The hotel. And getting out at, at the motel and going in. I want to throw up. I want to throw up. This is stupid. I want to throw up. something to the effect like, I saw, I saw your, you guys at that like dirty motel or Tommy something. Tommy says, like. I saw you guys at the hotel. And he that's when Eli starts being on, like, yeah. like, no, she was just coming. That's just some shithole I'm trapped up in. That I got no lie. place to live. She was coming yeah. to get me so we could come here and, and see you. Yeah. This is like one of the most sordid. This is classic Southern Gothic stuff. It reminded me, we didn't mention um, The Killer Inside Me, which we talked about. I thought this was right. very similar to that. Right. What I can gather from this film is that whatever happened, it is a good, not a good example. It is a story of institutional abuse that is passed from generation to generation. Exactly. Not everyone wants to see that. No. And maybe that's perhaps why I looked away. Maybe. And I missed what seems to be a very important (laughs) plot point. To this That's film. okay. Dave thought Josiah was alive. You know what? <laughs> We're in this together, pal. No, this yeah. is this is this is real horror. But it there's a lot of movies like this on the internet with the whole brother and sister, stepfather, son, uncle, whatever thing. There, if you guys are interested in that kind of thing, there's like plenty of tons of movies out there uh, yeah, about that sort of thing. Uh, more than than you would think. Surprisingly common when, <laughs> when you're out there on the World Wide Web. All kinds of stuff goes on. I'm stuck in the dryer. Pets. Somebody Pet help me it. out. The pet's gonna get it. <laughs> Next week, switching over to Hulu for the latest Predator sequel called Prey and another movie from this year called Hatching.